Would you please turn to Ephesians 1 this morning? Ephesians 1 this morning. Here Paul explains why as Christians we are more than special to God. You are more than special to God. And so, whenever you're having a bad day, you ever have a bad day at college? You're having a bad day. You couldn't sleep because your roommate snored all night. You couldn't find your earplugs. You failed one of Dr. R's tests. Again. I just want you to read Ephesians 1. And you will find many reasons to rejoice. And so, in this chapter, you're going to discover why you are more than special to God. Because he says, we are saints. We possess spiritual blessings. We are adopted. We are accepted in the Beloved. And then today in Ephesians 1.7, my message title is, We Are Redeemed. We just sang about it moments ago. We are redeemed. Look with me in verse 7, please. The Apostle Paul writes, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. May we pray. Father, today we, we praise You that we are redeemed. We praise You that we are more than special to You. And I pray today that, that if there's any students, any faculty, and, and they're having a difficult time, they're having a hard day or a hard season, I pray as they meditate and think about your love and what you've done for us, encourage their hearts. I think of David when he was at his lowest point. He encouraged himself in the Lord. May you allow each one of us to come to you and find that encouragement and that strength. Now, Father, I pray you'd open your word to our hearts. I pray for the staff that is here. Lord, I love them. I know you love them. And I pray that these students will show their appreciation uh, to the college faculty and staff as they minister to them and help equip them for even greater service to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our redemption. Redemption is a beautiful word. It is about God releasing us from from prison and setting us free. And so God has given us spiritual freedom, not just for us to do what we want to do, no, We are free to be all that God wants us to be. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the redemption price to set us free from the slavery of our sin and selfishness. Now today you will not not fully understand the depth of redemption until you fully understand the slavery of sin. And the Christians that struggle the most are those who were saved before they became teenagers. So I want to ask today, among the student body, how many of you were saved before the age of 13? Would you raise your hands? All right, would you stand up? All those of you who were saved before you were a teenager. Now just look around. That is, that's a lot of you. That's the majority of you. Thank you. You can be seated. Now don't misunderstand. I want my kids and all kids to come to Christ before they are teenagers. But when you're saved at a young age, you are in danger. You are in a great danger of not fully understanding what redemption means. We cannot begin to understand freedom until we understand slavery. And because of the widespread practice of slavery across the world for thousands of years, it is accurate to say that 
somewhere in your family tree that you have, you have ancestors, you have relatives that were on one side or the other of this slavery relationship as slaves or masters. If you dig back far enough, some not in the too distant past, but for me, I did some digging and I, I found out that I had relatives that were captured and held captives as slaves by the Indians in Pennsylvania. My fifth great-grandfather escaped his captors and was able to return back to his home. And so today I want you to not just understand redemption with your, with your head. I want you to understand redemption not, not just to, to believe it in your heart, but I want you to feel it in your soul. And if you want to feel the power of redemption, that means you need to do your best to feel the horror of slavery. You won't fully love spiritual freedom until you fully hate slavery. So let's get started. The first thing I'd like to recommend for you is to watch a movie about the abolishment of slavery in England. Amazing Grace is the story about William Wilberforce and John Newton. And so over Christmas break, take a couple hours and you can rent a a filtered streaming version through clearplay.com. It'll mute a couple of the words there. But if you want to learn how to love redemption and hate slavery, this is a good place to start. Now let's enter into the emotion. I want you to enter into the emotion by looking at some pictures of redemption. And so what are some of the pictures of redemption? Well, we can go to the Old Testament and we can find several. First of all, is an Israelite paying a debt? A Jewish man could sell himself as an indentured slave to pay a debt. Leviticus 25, 47 to 49. An indentured slave was bound in a contract as an employee to work for a period of time. It was very popular even in our colonial days of our country. Employers often paid the way for workers to come to the new world. And so they would work for four, five, six, seven years, and then they were free. Now let's compare that to Old Testament slavery. What about Old Testament slavery? Well, may I very clearly say that God never intended men to be slaves to others. In fact, God delivered the Jews from the cruel slavery in Egypt. Now, God, as you read your Old Testament, God regulated slavery or indentured servants under Jewish law. Most of the slavery among the Israelites was Jew to Jew, and it resulted from debt. It's not like what we're thinking about today. It was more like an employer-employee relationship. And I, I believe I can back that up with the scripture. It was, it was temporary, no more than six years, Exodus 21.2. They were released on the seventh year. It was a way to pay a debt, Exodus 21.2. Uh, when the term was ended, uh, the, the man was to be paid, Deuteronomy 15. And so when he was released, he is sent away with money in his pocket. Now, cruelty from the master meant immediate freedom, Exodus 21, 26 to 27. So the Bible condemns race-based slavery because all men are made in the image of God, Genesis 1, 27. There are millions of people in slavery today around the world. Our own U.S. State Department estimates 12 million victims of human trafficking each year. And so there is absolutely no room for pride or prejudice in the heart of any Christian or decent person. Can I get an amen for that? 
There is absolutely no room for pride or prejudice in the heart of any Christian or decent person. From colonial days, uh, we know that, that the British and Americans often used, wrongly used the Bible to justify slavery. Well, they didn't read my notes. They were wrong. They were wrong. Spirit-filled Christians condemned slavery, and it was actually their influence that led to the abolishing of it by law. David Livingston, John Newton, William Wilberforce, and Abraham Lincoln. So what are some Old Testament pictures of, of redemption? Well, first of all is this Israelite paying a debt. Secondly would be Boaz and Ruth. Naomi returned to Bethlehem penniless after the death of her husband and her sons. Her future was bleak. No, no, it was desperate. And Boaz paid the redemption price to redeem Naomi's land and then to marry Ruth. Here's one, Hosea and Gomer. God told Hosea to marry Gomer. She's a prostitute. He obeyed. When she deserted him for her lovers, God told Hosea to do the unthinkable. Go and redeem his wife. Go and buy her from the slave market. And he did. And his message to the Jews was then, you are just like Gomer. You are just like the prostitute worshiping spiritual false idols. But Jehovah God says, I love you. Jehovah God says, I forgive you. Jehovah God says, I will buy you back. And so there are three examples. We are like the indentured servant who is in debt. We are like Ruth who has a hopeless future. We are like Gomer, an unfaithful wife being sold into the slave market. Not like an indentured servant, but like a slave at the lowest level. But Jesus Christ loves you and I so much to redeem us. To buy our freedom with His love and with His blood. And so we see these, we see these pictures in the Bible, but we also see these pictures in history. And so I want to take you to Pennsylvania. I want you to see some redemption pictures, not just in the Bible, but in history. And so we're going to go to Pennsylvania today. Now, the stories I'm about to share with you are documented in four different historical sources. The Pennsylvania Gazette newspaper, June 1756. The Indian Wars of Pennsylvania. The Francis Innes, pioneer of Tuscarora Valley. And the early Innes ancestors. And so first stop is Port Royal. So you go to Pennsylvania, you go to Harrisburg, you keep going outside, outside, and you finally get to a, a little place called Port Royal, and you'll find this historical marker. And the site of the Stockade Blockhouse is a few miles west of the Tuscarora Mountain. And it reads, Fort Bingham, built around 1754 to protect traders and settlers in this region. In 1756, it was destroyed by Indians. There's a stone marker. Uh, these forts were not military forts, but simply small houses with a fence for about four to five families. This was during the French and Indian War against Brit the British. Enter Francis and Marjorie Innes. They came from Scotland to the foot of the Tuscarora Mountain as pioneers just before 1750. Now, this is where my ancestors have lived for the last 250 years. The Pennsylvania Gazette reported on June 12th, the following is a list of persons killed and missing at Bigham's Fort, namely George Woods, Nathaniel Bigham, Robert Taylor, his wife and two children, Francis Innes, his wife and three children. 
Eventually, one of the family members in the Innes line uh, married into my family tree. Now, here is a list of those killed or enslaved uh, by the Indians. Francis, Marjorie, and the three children, Jane, Nathaniel, and baby Mary, were taken captive first to Fort Duquesne, and this is near Pittsburgh. Francis was taken away from his family. He ran the gauntlet and survived. Now, you understand what the gauntlet is. The gauntlet would be, would be they would take a prisoner, they would have two, two rows of, of Indian braves, and they would have spears, sticks, stones, and as the, as the prisoner, as the slave would go through the gauntlet, uh, they would take and they would beat him and they would spear him, and many times they died going through the gauntlet. He survived, separated from his family. He was put to hard labor. That's how slaves are treated. When Sunday came, he refused to work. The Indians did not understand his religious convictions, and they prepared to burn him at the stake. Slaves have no rights to live or die. A French trader, Lawrence Burke, happened by, and he bargained for Francis' redemption after Francis promised to work for him until it was repaid. The Indians were ready to burn him alive at the stake until the ransom price was paid. Now, the ransom was conditional. Like an indentured servant, he had to work for two years to earn his freedom. Now, that was our first picture of redemption. Meanwhile, Marjorie and the children suffered terribly. Like her husband, she was forced to run the gauntlet, and she was speared in the chest. She survived. It was a bitter, cold winter, and baby Mary's feet froze, and the pain caused her to cry constantly. The Indians soon tired of her crying, and they chopped a hole in the ice of the river, and they pushed little Mary into the hole to drown her, while Marjorie wailed for mercy. Can you picture the scene? I want you to see it in the in the document here. Francis and Margaret Ennis returned by 1758. Jenny and Nathaniel returned in 1764. This was baby Mary Ennis put under the ice the winter of 1756. Can you feel it? Her baby has been crying incessantly all winter because her feet froze. The Indians cut a hole in the ice of the Managalia River, and with Marjorie begging for mercy, they drown her before her very eyes. That's how brutal slave owners treat their slaves. No value of human life. The Indian Wars of Pennsylvania, uh, this book, this next book you'll see here, it recounts 200 stories of the barbarism by the Indians in that period of time. They defeated the settlers. They believed that they owned them. Indians were scalped by the British years earlier, so the, the Indians felt justified to do the same to, to women and children. Can you feel the horror of slavery? I can. These are our ancestors. If they don't survive, there's no Pennsylvania. There are stories of men and women scalped alive. I mean, slavery is horrible. Back to the story. The Indians who had Marjorie, were hungry. And when they saw a trader's boat approaching on the St. Lawrence River, they decided to beg for food. They took Marjorie along because they thought if they had a white woman begging, that they might be more receptive to them. 
Well, Francis was on the boat with the traitor. And when he saw Marjorie, he pleaded with his traitor to give anything to the Indians to be able to, to exchange for her freedom. He promised to work until the redemption was paid. The Indians agreed. And Francis and Marjorie were, were reunited. And Francis worked to pay off the debt until 1758. God gave them a fourth child named James. You'll find his marker here in, in Pennsylvania. James Innes, born 1758. His parents being taken captive by the Indians at Bigham Ford. He was born in Montreal. That's where the Indians had, had uh, kept him. He served two terms in the War for Independence and after peace was declared, was brought back by his parents and there resided until his death and died a believer in Christ. Now, eight years after the Indian attack at Fort Bigham, Colonel Bouquet defeated the Indians near Pittsburgh, and he negotiated a peace treaty with the Delaware and Shawnee Indians for the return of the captives. I mean, dozens of, of women and children marched all across the state of Pennsylvania, 200 miles, to be reunited, the parents and children. And Francis and Marjorie were reunited with their two older children. Francis and Marjorie, they returned to Juniata County, and they settled on the side of the Tuscarora Creek as farmers, again, where my family is. Their descendants are still in the Tuscarora Valley to this day. Here is a creek that I fished out of dozens of times as a teenager. Stories of redemption. A conquering colonel defeats the slaveholders. That is a picture of our victorious Savior. Jesus Christ conquered the slaveholder of sin and Satan, and He conquered the slaveholder of death and hell to free us. Who needs to be redeemed? I do. You do. Sin is the slave master over every person who has ever been born. Everyone is a prisoner of death and enslaved to sin. The wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. Every descendant of Adam, that's everyone, was born with a death sentence upon their head. And we're all born slaves to sin. And that's the bad news. But here's the good news for As in Adam, all die. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. What is the price tag of redemption? So look with me at Ephesians 1.7. In whom... We have redemption in whom we have redemption through His blood. You see, the price tag of redemption is the blood of Jesus Christ. Acts 20, 28, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which He hath purchased, which He has redeemed, which He has bought with His own blood. 1 Peter 1, 18, For as much as you know that you are redeemed, you are bought with uh, corruptible, not with corruptible things of silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and spot. Why the shedding of blood? That's why you're here in theology class to figure this out, because for the life of the flesh is in the blood, Leviticus 17.11. So if there's sin, there has to be death. Life is in the blood. It has to be that Jesus would bleed and die. So in God's eternal plan, He decreed that only the blood of Christ and His death can pay the penalty of our sin. There's no way we can add anything to our salvation. Jesus paid it all. And so sin made us poor and grace makes us rich. Sin bound us in chains, but grace sets us free. And so we sing, we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has 
ransomed me, has redeemed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. You, you know these truths, but do you feel them? Do you feel them? Do you feel the depth of redemption in your soul? We often have, have testimony in our church, and there's just a couple of men, there are a couple of older men that, that every year or two, when they give their testimony and they say, I thank God that he saved my soul. And they begin to weep and tears come down their cheeks. Uh, Frank Imbo, Scott Wilson, and others. Why? Why are they so touched? Why are they so moved? Why do they have such emotion when they say, I thank God that I'm saved? Because they understand the depth of the slavery of sin. And when you're saved at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and that's great, I was saved at 15. But when you're saved young, what did you do that, that so moved you? Maybe you told a lie. Maybe you pulled your sister's hair or kicked your brother. Maybe you did some grievous sin and you can't even remember what it is. Oh, but these men, they remember. They remember the depth of the slavery of sin and they feel, they feel the freedom of redemption. Look there in the verse, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood according to the riches of His grace." Grace is charis. It is that, that important word in the New Testament, especially in Paul's epistles. And grace has its roots in the Old Testament, and it speaks of God's loving kindness, God's mercy, God's faithfulness. So, what do we owe our Savior? Well, everything. I mean, we owe Him everything. When Francis and Marjorie finally got their two kids back, it it took some time. They'd been gone for eight years. It took some time to get acclimated back to civilization. Do you know that some never left their Indian camps? They, they just accepted their slavery. Some actually that were rescued ran back. They ran back to the wild, back to the Indians, back to their slaveholders because there was such a hold upon them. Nathaniel, he slowly resumed life with his family, but for several years he would at certain times run outside and burst into some Indian dance to invoke the spirits for rain or whatever he desired. And well, both he and Jane eventually married and had families. But I, I want you to picture the scene. I want you to picture the scene as if it happened to you. You're the mom, you're the dad, you have, you have two kids. They've been in Indian captivity for eight years. They're now home. You're so glad to have them back. And before you eat your food, you pray and thank God. And every meal you thank God for their deliverance. You're having dinner. In the middle of dinner, your son leaps up from the table and he runs outside. And he, 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 you, just, you just are dumbfounded. Here he is. You're eating dinner. And, and in the middle of the dinner, he jumps up. And he runs outside and he begins to holler and yell and scream and, and dance like a wild Indian. And mom and dad run outside and you look and you see him. 
Son, you're free. You're free. Why do you act like this? I, I, I want you to talk to me now. How do you think they felt? How did they feel when their son left the table and ran outside to act like a pagan Indian? Well, how would you feel? Tell me. Nice and loud. Betrayed? Terrified? Loud. Confused? Disappointed? What? Heartbroken? How about mad? Look what the slaveholder did to my kids. All kinds of emotions are going to go through your heart and mind. Now, I'm sure they loved him, and I'm sure they, I'm sure they corrected him, and I'm sure they prayed for him, and they would bring him back inside. And, and, and eventually, he and his sister, they acclimated back to civilization, and they married and, and had families. Now, think about us today. We get saved. We are redeemed. We are redeemed from the slave master of sin. We are set free from the slave master of Satan. But how many times do we, like Nathaniel, have relapses to our old slave master? When we choose to go our own way, we're just like Nathaniel. We're, we're sitting at God's table. We're feasting on the Word of God. We're growing spiritually. But then all of a sudden, we leap up and we run away from God's table and we go back and do our pagan dance. We go back to our old ways. What would that be? That would be like when a Christian has sex before marriage. When a Christian commits adultery. When a Christian files for divorce against a, a Christian mate. When, when you lie. When you steal. How do you think our Heavenly Father feels about that? You've gone back to the old ways. You've gone back to the old slave master and we're breaking his heart. When we return to the old addictive lifestyle, when we're selfish, when we're critical, when we're prideful, when we're stubborn, when we don't support the spiritual authority in our lives, we're doing the old pagan rain dance. Oh, it feels good. It feels fun for a little while. But we're breaking our Father's heart. Yet He keeps loving us. He keeps correcting us. He keeps whispering to us, I've set you free. You're free. I've set you free. I love you. I will forgive you. Why don't you just love me? Why don't you come back to me? You are free in Christ. It's a powerful picture. Now, what are the benefits of being redeemed? We live forever. That's a great benefit. This is eternal life. We live forever. In Revelation chapter 5, 9 and 10, they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And You made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. You know, we sang about being redeemed today. We're going to do it again in heaven. We're going to sing in heaven that we are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What are the benefits of being redeemed? We'll live forever. Our sins are forgiven in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. We are freed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. 
What are the benefits? We are adopted, Galatians 4, 5, to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Man, we are blessed. We are delivered from the chains of sin, Titus 2, 13. The great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. What are the benefits of being redeemed? We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which ye have of God? You are not your own. You are bought with the price. You are redeemed. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Now, you know redemption. You know redemption. I want you to feel it. I want you to feel it. So I want you to watch part of a clip of a Christian movie. Gomer, my love, come and dance with me. <laughs> come dance. Dance with me, dance. I'm not in the mood. Dance with me. I'm not in the mood. Your husband, Osea, may have stood for your mood, but I will not because I am in the mood now. Dance with me. You resist me? I do not desire it. But I do. No. Was I not the one you left that false prophet and all your other lovers for? You ran into my arms because of all the nice things I could give you? Now dance with me. Leave me alone. You will do as I say. No. No. Guards! Since you do not desire my charms tonight, I do not care to see this one anymore. Pick her auction. Please, leave me alone. Let me go, just please. No, no, let me go. My Lord God, how can I love one who loves another? Why did you want me to marry her? She has been unfaithful so many times. I know now how your heart grieves over your people that have abandoned you. So how can you still love us? How? How? You love us because your love is not dependent on us. Oh, my Lord God, how great is your love. And now what say you of this one? Do I have a bid? She is still of childbearing age, if that suits you. So who will start the bidding? No bids? Surely she can work in your fields. Anyone? Anyone? 
half homer of barley. Half homer of barley? Surely this woman has many good years of work in her. Who will give me one piece of silver for her? One homer of barley. One homer of barley. This woman is of strong stock. She can bear your children. One piece of silver. One homer of barley, I said. One homer of barley. Anyone else? One homer of barley going once. One homer of barley going twice. Fifteen pieces of silver. Fifteen pieces of silver. And a homer of barley. And a half homer of barley too. Sold! Sold for 15 pieces of silver and a homer of barley and a half homer of barley too. Hosea 3.2 So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an homer of barley and for a half homer of barley. You and I are Gomer. You're the slave. And with his love and with his blood, he buys you and he gives you freedom to live for him. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed them white as snow. And so when you really understand that Jesus paid for your redemption, not, not just understanding it with your mind and not just knowing it in your heart, but feeling it in your soul, then you understand why you owe Him everything. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Won't you, won't you make a promise today? I will never go back and follow the old slave master. Won't you pray today, oh God, when I, when I act like Gomer, when I am prideful, I want to do my own thing, when I am being pulled by the world, when I am going back to the old ways of sin, please God, forgive me the way you forgave Gomer. Whisper in my ear, spank me, forgive me, cleanse me, but bring me back that I might use my spiritual freedom to glorify Jesus Christ every day I live.